0: The opinions expressed in this episode do not necessarily reflect those of The Murderish Podcast. Sensitive topics are discussed. Listener discretion is advised. The time spent in high school, whether good or bad, helps shape us into the people we eventually become. We go through a myriad of first experiences in high school, sports teams, clubs, prom, first loves, and oftentimes heartbreak. For most people, These experiences shape us, and we learn from them, and the mistakes we make during this time usually do not have permanent consequences. But the teenage brain is complicated. Decision-making is faulty, yet most teenagers eventually mature and get through their high school years. During the fall of 2014 to the fall of 2016, before the curtain fell and the reality of one teenage relationship was exposed, Most students at Central High School must have looked on in envy at the handsome football star and his beautiful cheerleader girlfriend. Only their relationship was not enviable, and it would end with one of them dead. This is Jamie, and you're listening to Murderish. Join me as I walk you through the case involving Emma Walker. Settled in 1768, Knoxville, Tennessee became the state's first capital in 1796 until it was moved to Nashville in 1812. Knoxville and Knox County were named after Henry Knox, a general in the Continental Army during the American Revolution who became the first Secretary of War, a former cabinet position that was eventually replaced by the position of Secretary of Defense in 1947 some notable people have called Knoxville home. John Sevier, militia leader during the American Revolution, and the first governor of Tennessee, Don and Phil Everly of the Everly Brothers Rock Music Group, Dave Thomas, founder of Wendy's, and film director Quentin Tarantino are all from Knoxville. The case we're examining in this episode takes us to Knoxville, and begins in the early morning hours of November 21st, 2016. Around 3 a.m. in the Sturchy Hills subdivision of Knoxville, Tennessee, the Walker family was asleep inside of their one-story home. While the neighborhood slept, a gunshot rang out. A figure dressed in black hopped the Walker's fence, turned, fired another shot, and then ran off into the night. Inside the house, Mark Walker was awakened by a loud noise that sounded like a door slamming. He got up to check on everyone. He went to his son Evan's room and saw that he was asleep. Mark then opened the door to his daughter Emma's bedroom. She also looked like she was asleep. He closed her door and then he went back to bed. Mark had to be up by 4 a.m. to get ready for work. His wife Jill typically woke up at 5 to get the kids ready for school. Mark awoke and went to work as usual, but this was no typical day. Mark received a call at work later that morning, and it changed his life forever. Jill called her husband that morning to tell him that their 16-year-old daughter, Emma, was dead. Emma Jane Walker was born in Knoxville, Tennessee on March 20, 2000, She had one sibling, a younger brother named Evan. At the time of her death, she was a junior at Central High School in Knoxville, where she was a three-year member of the cheerleading squad. Emma was an honors student and a member of several organizations and clubs. She was a member of HOSA, Health Occupation Students of America, an organization for students intending to pursue careers in health professions. The Beta Club, an organization that helps students with academics, leadership, and service, and Young Life, a Christian organization that focuses on children and their faith. Emma planned to become a neonatal nurse after graduation. During her freshman year of high school in 2014, Emma began dating a young man named Riley Gall, who was a junior at Central High. After learning that Emma liked him, Gall broke up with his girlfriend to be with her. William Riley Gall, who went by his middle name, was born on August 12, 1998. Raised by his mother and grandparents in Knoxville, Gall was an excellent student. He grew into being a talented athlete and was a star wide receiver on Central High School's football team. After graduating from Central High in 2016, Gall went on to play college football at Maryville College, a Division III school, about 30 miles north of Knoxville. He and Emma continued their relationship after Gall went to college. Emma's parents liked Gall at first. According to a 2021 ABCNews.com article by Joseph Diaz, Kentura Gray, and Lauren Efron, Jill Walker said when they first met Gall, he was the boy next door. He came in very polite, very nice in the beginning. He was very likable. Emma's father, Mark, said, I thought he was a very nice-looking young man, well-mannered. We would let them have some supervised visitation. He could come over to the house. They would meet up after football games to eat and things like that. Emma's friends also thought the couple seemed to be a good pair. After a while, though, it became apparent that Gall did not want Emma to spend time with her friends, instead wanting her to be with him all the time. One of Emma's best friends, Keegan Lyle, as well as her friend Lauren Hutton, noticed this shift in their relationship. As their relationship continued, Gall's possessive and controlling behavior became worse. Emma had a part-time job at a grocery store, and Gall began sitting outside the store for her while she worked, waiting for her shift to be over. He'd sit out there for hours at a time. Emma's friends also noticed how cruel Gall could be to her. They said he would send her messages saying he hated her and called her a bitch. He was demeaning to Emma in front of others, and arguments with him could start over the slightest issue. Emma's parents eventually noticed these disturbing behaviors as well. Jill Walker said Gaul would tell Emma what she should and should not wear, and when she tried to speak with her daughter about it, Emma ignored her. The couple's relationship became one that was riddled with constant fighting, breaking up and getting back together again, and things only escalated from there. Eventually, Gall began telling Emma he wanted to hurt her. He also threatened to kill himself if she ever broke up with him again. In the spring of 2015, when Emma was expecting to go to prom with Gall, he told her he couldn't take her because he had already promised his ex girlfriend, the one he broke up with to go out with Emma, that he would take her instead. He told Emma she could go with him to prom the next year when he was a senior. Emma's parents, already unhappy with Gall, became very uneasy with their daughter dating him. It got worse when they caught him sneaking into Emma's bedroom at night. Jill and Mark had suspected that the two were getting together. When the rest of the family was asleep, and they responded by installing security cameras around the house. Shortly after they began watching the recordings, they saw video of Gall coming through Emma's bedroom window. After confronting him with this, they told Gall he was only allowed in the common areas of their home, and only when either Jill or Mark were home. By the spring of 2016, things came to a boiling point for the Walkers when they found threatening messages from Gaul on Emma's phone and social media accounts. One message that Jill saw was particularly disturbing. It read, You're dead to me. I'll check the obituary. Fuck you. This according to the same 2021 ABCNews.com article. Jill Walker later said that when she and her husband questioned Gall about the alarming message, Gall told them he was just angry. Obviously, the walkers were not satisfied with his response, and from then on, their awareness of numerous red flags was heightened. According to a 2021 Heavy.com article by Caroline Warnock, Jill saw another troubling message from Gall on Emma's phone. The message read, You don't have parents. You don't have a family. You only have me. The Walkers banned Gall from their home and took Emma's cell phone away, but Gall was determined to stay in contact with her. He gave Emma an iPod Touch to use through Wi-Fi so he could contact her. The Walkers pushed their daughter to end the relationship, but Emma refused. When Gall went to Maryville College in the fall of 2016, Emma's parents hoped that would be the thing that put an end to the relationship, but the couple continued to see each other. Then, near the end of October 2016, the Walkers tried something new. They grounded Emma from everything except for school and work. And, to their surprise, it seemed to be working. Emma began spending more time with her parents and seemed as if she had returned to her old self. Without Gall's constant presence and unending control for just a few weeks, Emma realized she no longer wanted to be with him. After a few tries, she finally ended the relationship for good on November 13th. Gaul, trying to manipulate her once again into changing her mind, threatened to kill himself if she went through with it, but Emma said her mind was made up. Emma sent a text to her friends saying that she and Gaul were finally over, and they were elated by this news. Gaul, however... Would not accept the breakup. Right after Emma ended things, he tried to overdose with pills and alcohol at Maryville College. Friends found him and took him to the hospital, where he eventually recovered. Gall continued to call and text Emma relentlessly, to the point that she deleted him from her social media and blocked him from her cell phone. Undaunted, Gall used an app called Phoner to send anonymous text messages to Emma still trying to get her back. Emma assumed it was one of Gall's friends sending the messages at his request. On Friday, November 18th, Emma's parents allowed her to attend a sleepover with some friends. After she cheered at the Central High School football playoff game, she went to the friend's house, who was hosting a party before the sleepover. Soon, Emma began receiving text messages from an anonymous number. According to a 2018 KnoxNews.com article by Jamie Satterfield, one text said, Go to your car with your keys. Go alone. I've got someone you love. If you don't comply, I will hurt them. Emma's friend, Zach Green, walked outside with her, but they didn't see anything. After they went back inside, Emma received another text. What part of alone wasn't clear? I don't want to hurt a loved one. Emma suspected that the text messages were coming from one of Gaul's friends. She told the person sending them that she knew he was one of Gaul's friends. The next text read, "'I'm no one's friend. We have him now. If you don't care about him anymore, then it shouldn't bother you. Call the police and he dies. Your choice. If you'd like to hear his final screams, give me a call. He's in a ditch beside the house.'" It's a shame you can all of a sudden not value someone's life. Emma and Zach went back outside with a group of friends from the party, where they found Gall lying in a ditch, claiming that he had been kidnapped. He said the kidnappers took his phone and started sending text messages to Emma with it. No one in the group, including Emma, believed this story. Eventually, Emma walked back inside of her friend's home and Gall left. He called Noah Walton, one of his friends, and told him that he had been knocked out and put inside of a van and he didn't know where he was. But Noah didn't believe him either. When Noah told him to call 911, Gall said he didn't want the police involved. A few minutes later, Gall showed up to Noah's house in his own car. The next morning, Emma was driving home with one of her friends from the sleepover, Haley McDonald who lived on the same street. They saw someone dressed in black walking down the street. Haley recognized the man as Gall by his walk, but Emma didn't think it was him. After Emma dropped Haley off, Haley drove by the swimming pool where she knew Gall would park when he used to sneak into Emma's bedroom at night. She saw his car in the parking lot. Haley sent a text message to Gall asking what he was doing in her neighborhood but he wrote back saying he wasn't in her neighborhood. Then, while Emma was home alone, she heard someone pounding on the front door of her house. Emma, completely terrified, saw that the person banging on the door was the same man she and Haley saw dressed in black. Emma's father and brother were out deer hunting, and her mother was at work for a volunteer event. Emma had come home to shower and change and was supposed to help her mother at the school. When the pounding on the door began, Emma was certain that the stranger was trying to break in. She immediately began texting friends for help. When no one answered, she finally sent a text message to Gull, knowing he was in town staying with friends. As reported in a 2021 ABCNews.com article by Joseph Diaz, Katura Gray, and Lauren Efron, Emma's text to Gall read, I hate you, but I need you right now. Gall sent a text back right away, saying that he was speeding over to her house. In actuality, Gall went to his car in the parking lot where the pool was located, changed out of the black clothes he'd been wearing while pounding on the walker's front door, and then drove to Emma's house. Jill Walker, concerned that Emma never showed up to help her at the event, Left the school to check on her daughter. When she got home, she saw Gall in the front yard talking to Emma. Jill was not happy about this, as Gall had been told he wasn't allowed at their home. She asked him to leave, but Gall told Jill that he was only trying to help Emma. Jill asked once more, and then Gall left. Emma told her mother that someone had tried to break into their house but Jill suspected it had been Gall doing this to manipulate her, and she told Emma as much. Later that evening, Emma was still nervous about the man in black, and for the first time, she asked her parents to turn on the security system in the house. That same evening, Gall told his friend Noah that he had to go back to his dorm at Merivale College to work on a paper. He left around midnight. When he got to his dorm room, he borrowed his roommate's phone and called Emma, who told him she did not want to get back together. Gall continued to text her eleven times in total. He also called her forty times and left thirteen voice messages, but Emma stopped answering. Around 12:30 a.m., Gall left his dorm and headed for Knoxville. He called Noah to ask if he could come over, but Noah said it was too late. Before hanging up. Gall asked Noah if he knew how to get fingerprints off of a gun. Gall then texted his mother to ask her if his grandfather had found his missing handgun yet. When she said no, he said that he hoped his grandfather found it soon. About two and a half hours later, around 3 a.m., two gunshots rang out in Emma's neighborhood. Later that morning, Jill Walker tried to wake her daughter up for school but she was gone. Two bullets had been fired into Emma's bedroom. One of them hit her in the head, killing her instantly. On the morning of November 21st, Emma's mother, Jill, went into her bedroom to wake her daughter up as she always did. She called out Emma's name but got no response. She then shook her daughter's foot and realized that it was cold. She quickly realized that Emma was not breathing. Jill grabbed the phone and called 911, never noticing the two bullet holes in the wall of her daughter's bedroom. The 911 call originally came in as a possible suicide. When Deputy Nikki Buells, lead forensic tech for Knox County Sheriff's Department, arrived at the Walker home, he looked around Emma's bedroom. He noticed bullet holes in the walls and realized this likely was not a suicide. Lieutenant Allen Merritt of the Knox County Sheriff's Department arrived at the scene and found shell casings in the yard. Merritt said as investigators began interviewing family and friends, the same person's name kept coming up, Riley Gall. Lieutenant Allen said that people mentioned Gall's name repeatedly, saying how poorly he treated Emma. Ladies, do you find yourself cussing out your work pants because they are the absolute worst? Okay, maybe that's just me, but I don't anymore because I found Beta Brand. Beta Brand makes the most comfortable and chic work pants, and they come in every color and style you can think of. You know that feeling when you wear your favorite pair of yoga pants? That's what Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants feel like, only they're totally professional-looking. I've been wearing my dress pant yoga pants for months now. They're a skinny fit, and I love that they don't wrinkle easily, because they're made of a stretch-knit fabric that resists wrinkles. I'm telling you guys, I can do a cartwheel with a toe touch rolled into a backbend in these suckers, and they still look and feel great afterward. Okay, I really hope you got a visual of all of that. Beta Brand has leveled up and created yoga denim, and it's just as amazing as their dress pants. I have a pair of Black Skinny Fit Beta Brand Yoga Denim Pants, and they fit so well, and of course, I can move around so easily in them. They don't suck the literal life out of me, like most of my other skinny jeans. Check out Beta Brand's website. You'll find cropped, skinny, straight leg, and bootleg styles in a multitude of colors. Right now, my listeners can get 30% off their first Beta Brand order. When you go to betabrand.com slash murderish, that's 30% off your first order for a limited time. At betabrand.com slash murderish, discover what it's like to be comfortable and confident all the time. Go to betabrand.com slash murderish for 30% off. I recently scrolled through a social media thread where someone asked if anyone else has become obsessed with playing Best Fiends. Mostly everyone said yes, they cannot put the game down. Best Fiends is a challenging mobile puzzle game that's not like your average brain cell sucking game. It actually exercises your brain and makes you feel accomplished after playing. I get such an adrenaline rush when I advance to a new level. I always pick up my phone and play Best Fiends during TV commercial breaks, but then I look up and 30 minutes have passed and the TV show is over. I lose track of time playing this game because Best Fiends always has something new to see. The game is constantly being updated with new cute characters, challenges, and themes, so it never feels or looks stale. Another thing that's unique about Best Fiends is that you can team up with the characters based on their abilities to earn extra points and items to level up your fiends. When you download this game and start playing, Not if, but when you start playing this game, you will not want to stop. And don't feel guilty about that. Your brain will be challenged the entire time. You won't get that mush-brain feeling after playing Best Fiends. You'll probably feel more like your brain just swam a few laps in the pool. Download the 5-star-rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. On the evening of November 22nd, students and faculty came together at the high school to remember Emma, said teacher Chris Hammond. She was a leader both inside and outside the classroom, always had a smile on her face, just a beautiful soul, and she's going to be missed by a lot of people. Her love for other people, for kids, for classmates, for school, it's just overwhelming. This, according to a 2016 Wait.com article, By Annie Culver. A crowdfunding page was set up to help Emma's family. On the page, Emma's friend Anissa McDonald wrote, her fun, kind, sweet spirit was contagious. Emma was a beauty inside and out. Our community was blessed to know her. Her dream was to become a nurse. On Friday, November 25th, the Central High School football team played Marshall County High School in the state semifinals playoff at Marshall High School in Lewisburg, Tennessee. The Marshall High School cheerleading squad wanted to do something to show their support for the loss that the students at Central were going through. So, before the game, the cheerleaders from both schools went to midfield and released purple balloons in Emma's memory. Purple was Emma's favorite color. People in the crowd also wore purple armbands to honor Emma. According to a 2017 People article by Casey Baker, Jill Walker said she did not want her daughter to be known only as the murdered cheerleader from the news, saying, She was a daughter, a sister, a friend. She would act silly and didn't care what other people thought. She didn't care about being in a certain group. She was friends with everybody. She was involved in her community, had a job, and was an honors student. She was an independent little thing and she could be stubborn and sassy. She marched to her own drum. Though many people had already convicted Riley Gall of the crime, Gall's family stood by him. According to a 2016 Wait.com article by Annie Culver, Ashley Allman, his mother, said, Riley did not do this. He would not hurt her because he loved Emma dearly. He is not a monster. Even after the murder, Gall's Twitter profile picture was a photo of Emma. According to a 2017 People article by Casey Baker, his Twitter bio said, Living every day through Emma Walker. I love you beautiful, and I know you're in a better place now. Alex McCarty, who was asked by Gall not to speak with law enforcement, decided to speak with investigators anyway. McCarty told them that Gall told him he stole his grandfather's handgun the day before Emma was killed because he was afraid for his life. Alex said he was worried about what Gall might do, but Gall reassured him that he wasn't going to kill himself. Alex said that Gall told him he needed the gun to protect himself against the people who were after him and that these people might also hurt Emma. Noah Walton also spoke with investigators against Gall's request. He told them that Gall had asked him if he knew how to get fingerprints off of a gun, but said he was only asking for his roommate. He also said that Gall told him he needed to get rid of the gun so he wouldn't get into trouble for something he didn't do. When investigators brought Gall in for questioning, they said he never referred to Emma by name he'd only refer to her as the girl. When Lieutenant Merritt asked him which girl he meant, Gall said, the one that passed away. Knox County Detective James Hurst initially saw Gall as a man who was grieving the loss of his girlfriend. As the interview with Gall progressed, however, Hurst's opinion of Gall shifted after not seeing any hint of empathy or concern regarding Emma's death. It's as if he was checked out mentally. Gall admitted to investigators that he used a friend's phone to call Emma on Sunday night and said that the call did not go very well. He said that after getting off the phone with Emma, he went to his grandfather's house and then to Maryville College, where he sat in the parking lot outside his dorm and cried for hours. Merritt said Gall showed absolutely no emotion. Instead, He seemed completely unattached to what was going on, and it seemed as if he had practiced his statements ahead of time. Cell phone records would later confirm that Gall was in Emma's neighborhood up until the time neighbors reported hearing gunshots. When investigators asked Gall about his grandfather's missing gun, he said he didn't know anything about it and that he had nothing to do with Emma's death. Both Alex and Noah came to believe fairly quickly that their friend was lying about his involvement in Emma's death. They offered to try to get Gall to admit to the murder on a recording, but authorities were worried about their safety. The two friends, however, were determined to get this done. On November 22nd, the day after Emma's murder, law enforcement put microphones and a video camera on the two friends. Alex and Noah then asked Gall to come over and play video games. During that time, they recorded Gall telling Alex that he should tell the police he was drunk or high when he told them about Gall having a handgun. Also captured on the recording, Gall denied that he had anything to do with Emma's murder, but he did ask them to help him get rid of the gun. The friends told Gall he didn't need to get rid of the gun if he was innocent but Gall said if he didn't ditch the gun, he could be blamed for killing Emma. Gall told his friends he wanted to throw the gun into the Tennessee River. The three of them then drove to Gall's stepfather's house, where Gall went inside and came out with a plastic bag that Alex and Noah said had the gun, gloves, and clothing inside of it. Unbeknownst to Gall, Alex and Noah were able to correspond with law enforcement during this time via a group text. Noah sent a text letting them know that Gall had a plastic bag with the gun inside of it and that he was going to the river to get rid of it. Once they got to the river, Noah gave law enforcement the code word. The car that the three men were in was then swarmed by law enforcement and Gall was arrested. He was held on a $1 million bond, but the necessary amount of money was raised, and Gall was released on January 30th. After the arrest, Meriville College, where Gall was a freshman, confirmed that they were cooperating with the Knox County Sheriff's Department in the investigation and that Gall had been released from the football program. At the press conference, the Knox County Sheriff's Office said they believed Gall fired one shot into the Walker home while Emma slept, jumped over the fence, fired a second shot, and then ran away. A medical examiner confirmed that Emma likely never woke up and died in her sleep from a single gunshot wound to the head. I've been telling you guys about a new backpack I've been using to carry my laptop and other podcast equipment. My Hedgren Aura backpack keeps all of my equipment stored safely and organized. In fact, I've got my Aura Hedgren backpack sitting by the front door now because it's going with me on a mini vacation tomorrow. Hedgren is an essential nylon bag and travel gear brand established in Belgium. Their products are stylish, functional and made to last. Hedgren offers essential bags and luggage for women and men, and each bag comes with a Hedgren Cube accessory that signifies strength, inclusiveness, and harmony. Hedgren doesn't just mass produce bags with no mission. Their designs are thoughtful. Every bag is made with smart functionality, intuitive design, freedom of movement, sustainability, and affordability in mind. My Aura backpack is water-repellent and has every smart compartment you can think of, and it comes with a two-year warranty. You cannot go wrong with Headgrin. Their products solve so many problems you've had with other, less superior bags. Check out Headgrin's lineup of stylish, functional bags made from sustainable nylon. Order a bag and receive a 20% discount by going to headgrin.com murderish and use promo code MURDERISH20 at checkout. Enjoy free shipping with your purchase. That's h e d g r e n dot com slash murderish and use promo code murderish20 at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. I am such a huge believer in taking care of your mental health before just about anything else. I think so many of us, given what we've been through over the last year, are feeling so overwhelmed. It's therapeutic to vent and talk about these issues with friends and loved ones, but sometimes I don't feel heard or seen afterward. Talkspace is a great tool for anyone who is struggling and in need of therapy, and I think this applies to so many people. Talkspace makes it so easy to get quality therapy. They match you with a licensed therapist whom you can speak with via live video sessions or even text messages. And all of this can be done right from the comfort of your home. This is especially convenient for people who travel because you can essentially take your therapist with you. All you need is a smartphone or computer. With Talkspace, you and your partner can get couples therapy. They also have therapists who can help you through your struggles with anxiety, depression, and so much more. I know that reaching out for help is tough for many of us, but asking for support is actually a sign of strength. Personally, I always feel so much better after talking out my feelings. Start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with promo code MURDERISH. That's $100 off when you use code MURDERISH at Talkspace.com. On December 2nd, 2016, Gall waived his right to a preliminary hearing. His case was sent to a Knox County grand jury who, on January 23, 2017, indicted him on seven counts for first-degree murder, especially aggravated stalking, theft, tampering with evidence, reckless endangerment, employing a firearm during a dangerous felony, and felony murder. The indictment said that Gall stalked Emma beginning in October of 2016, and stole a gun from his grandfather in order to kill her. The indictment further stated that Gall murdered Emma on November 21st and that shortly after Emma's body was found by her mother, Gall tweeted, "'I love you, Emma. I can't be around any of that yet. It's too soon. I know you know I'm dying to be there, but understand I can't. I love you.'" as reported in a 2017 Tennessean article by Jamie Satterfield. The indictment documented that Gall tried to get rid of his grandfather's gun after he killed Emma, but the Knox County Sheriff's Office, who had started surveillance of Gall after Emma's body was found, arrested him before he could carry out the disposal. On April 29, 2018, A jury of eight men, four women, and two alternates were chosen to hear Gall's trial. Opening statements began on April 30th with Assistant District Attorney Kevin Allen calling Gall a premeditated, cold-hearted killer who would not accept Emma ending their relationship. He said Gall dressed entirely in black to hide in the dark. He then snuck into the walker's yard to shoot Emma while she slept around 3 a.m. on November 21st. Allen told the jury that Gall shot once into Emma's bedroom, jumped the fence, shot once more at her house, and then ran off. He said one of the bullets hit Emma in the head, killing her instantly. He described for the jury how Jill Walker went into her daughter's bedroom that morning and discovered that her body was cold. Jill also described seeing what appeared to be vomit on her daughter's bed. Allen explained to the jury that what Jill believed was vomit were actually Emma's brains and blood from the gunshot wound inflicted upon her by Gall. Allen told the jury that Gall had previously admitted to being dressed in black to prevent anyone from seeing him in the dark and that this showed his intent to kill. After firing the shots, Allen said that Gall ran back to his car and drove back to his dorm room in Merrillville. He arrived at his dorm around 4.45 in the morning, and then he went to sleep. The assistant DA asked the jury to convict Gall of first-degree murder, which carried a sentence of life with the possibility of parole after 51 years. Gall's defense was led by Wesley Stone, an experienced criminal defense attorney. Stone told the jury that his client did kill Emma but that he was only trying to scare her into coming back to him, and that it was not first-degree murder because her death was not intentional. Stone admitted that Gall acted recklessly and that his conduct was strange and that he even pleaded guilty to recklessly discharging a weapon into a house, but he never tried to hurt Emma. He admitted that the relationship between his client and Emma went hot and cold, but that it was because of Emma, not Gall. He said Emma would just stop paying attention to Gall for no reason, and then suddenly the relationship would be back on again. Stone said his client lied about being kidnapped and about someone trying to break into the Walker home so he could rescue Emma. He said the shooting that ended up killing her and those lies were intended for Gall to rescue Emma as a ploy to get her back with him. Stone asked the jury to find Gall guilty of reckless homicide, a Class C felony, which carried a sentence of three to fifteen years. Gall's former roommate and teammate at Meryville College, Andrew Stanley's testimony confirmed that Gall returned to their dorm around four forty five AM on november twenty first, the morning of Emma's death. Stanley told the jury that Gall never told him where he was that night, only that he was out. Stanley also said that Gall asked him to wake him up for a class that started at 8 o'clock that morning. Stanley said he later received a text message from Gall asking him not to speak with investigators. Other friends of Gall's, who were minors at the time, testified regarding the toxic nature of Gall and Emma's relationship, describing Gall as not being in a good place at the time. Another friend testified that Emma told her that she thought she was going to be killed. The friend said that Gall was very controlling of Emma. Zach Green testified that he was at the party on November 18th when Emma began receiving threatening text messages. Green said that he assumed Gall had been the one sending the texts based on his previous behavior with Emma. He told the jury that Emma responded to the text messages saying she was going to call the police at which time the text messages became even more threatening. He said that when he and Emma went outside a second time, they saw Gall lying in a ditch. Green said Gall told them he had been kidnapped, but nobody believed him. Green told the jury that he and Emma went back inside and then Gall left. The prosecution pointed out that Gall had been stalking Emma after she ended the relationship up until he murdered her they called Haley McDonald to the witness stand, who had gotten a ride home with Emma after the sleepover. Haley told the jury that she saw Gall in Emma's neighborhood, dressed entirely in black. She also said that later in the evening, Emma had sent out text messages to her and other friends saying that someone was trying to break into her house. Knox County Detective Lieutenant Alan Merritt testified that records from Gall's cell phone showed that he was in the neighborhood where Emma lived, until shortly after the gunshots were reported by neighbors. Although Gall's attorney said that his client did not think the gunshots could go through the wall of the Walker home into Emma's bedroom, Merritt said that based on the shells found in the yard, the shots were fired at a distance of only four to five feet from the house. As reported in a 2018 KnoxNews.com article, By Matt Lakin, Merritt told the jury it was in a direct location and orientation to where Miss Walker's head would be. Anyone who had been in that bedroom would have known it. Merritt testified that marks on the Walker's fence showed that someone had jumped into and out of their yard, and that Gall had texted Emma previously about how easy it was for him to get over the fence into the yard. Gall's grandfather, James Walker, no relation to Emma or her family, testified that he found his gun missing on November 18th. He said he always kept the gun in its holster and that it was either inside of his dresser or under the seat of his vehicle. He told the court that he and his grandson had traded vehicles because Gall's car needed new tires. After James got the new tires on his grandson's car, they switched vehicles. James told the jury that while he was driving back to Knoxville, he reached under the seat to check for his gun, but it wasn't in the holster. He said he asked his grandson about the gun, but Gall denied even knowing it had been in the car. James reported the gun missing to police two days after he discovered it was gone. He also told the court that his grandson had been threatening suicide before he killed Emma. Max Siegel, a football player at Merville College, testified that right after Emma broke up with Gall, he tried to kill himself. He said that he and some friends took Gall to the hospital for treatment. He also told the jury that Gall borrowed his phone to call Emma. Prosecutors introduced evidence showing that on the night Emma was murdered, 52 calls from Siegel's phone were made to Emma's phone in the span of 26 minutes. The jury learned about the fake kidnapping from the testimony of three of Gaul's friends. The friends claimed that Gaul called them, saying he had been kidnapped and did not know where he was. They also said that Gaul showed up at Walton's home only 10 minutes after claiming to be kidnapped and dumped. Isaac Ewers, one of Gaul's friends, testified that Gaul had asked him to come over after Emma's murder, but he refused because he believed his friend had killed her. When he called Gall, Isaac told the jury that Gall was trying to get rid of any evidence of the murder, including the gun. Isaac said he tried to convince Gall to turn himself in. Emma's mother took the stand and testified that she and her husband liked Gall at first, but kept close tabs on his relationship with their daughter, since she was just 14 years old when they began dating. Jill said that after a while, She and her husband discovered threatening text messages from Gall to Emma, and they responded by setting limits on their contact with one another. Even so, Jill testified that Gall and Emma found ways to be with each other against their wishes. She said she went to Gall's family for help, but they wouldn't listen to her. Jill testified that in October of 2016, she and Mark grounded Emma from everything except for school and work. And without the constant control from Gall, it worked. Emma started to become the old Emma again. After a few failed tries, in mid-November, Jill said that her daughter finally broke off the relationship for good. Emma's father, Mark, testified about the night of his daughter's murder. He told the court that he awoke around 3 in the morning, after the gunshots rang out on November 21st, but he mistook the sound thinking it was someone slamming a door inside their home. Mark testified that he walked through the house to check on everyone. When he opened Emma's door, she appeared to be asleep. He said he went back to bed after seeing that everyone appeared to be okay. After the prosecution rested, Gall's defense attorney displayed some text and phone call records between Emma and Gall, then rested his case without calling a single witness. With that, the week-long trial was over and the jury was sent to deliberate. On May 8th, after deliberating for four hours, the jury found Riley Gall guilty of first-degree murder. The jury also found Gall guilty of theft, tampering with evidence, possession of a firearm in a dangerous felony, and felony murder. He had previously pleaded guilty to reckless endangerment for firing a gun into the Walker home. Following the verdict, Gall's sentencing for first-degree murder was automatic. He would serve life in prison with the possibility of parole after 51 years for murdering Emma Walker. Sentencing for the other convictions would come later. A few months later, Gall apologized to the Walker family for shooting Emma, but still claimed he did not mean to kill her, and that he only wanted to scare her into coming back to him. The Walkers did not buy it. According to a 2018 APNews.com article by Steve McGargy, Jill Walker responded, Riley, you are not Emma's hero. You ended her life. No punishment will ever bring Emma back. But what helps is that he can't do this to anyone else. Emma is the hero here. She is definitely mine. On September 28, Judge Bob R. McGee sentenced Gall to almost 11 years for the additional crimes, but he ruled that the sentences would run concurrently, meaning that Gall would serve no additional time aside from his previously handed down sentence of life with a chance of parole after 51 years. In defense of his decision, Judge McGee indicated that Gall's previous sentence was already long enough and that he didn't have a previous criminal record prior to these crimes. The prosecution, not satisfied with this, requested that Judge McGee reconsider and add more time to Gall's sentence. The judge denied the request, stating that he could not put Gall in prison for any additional time without proof that he was a danger to society. In May of 2021, Gall filed a motion for a new trial saying his conviction was based on insufficient evidence. The appeal also claimed that Judge McGee committed several errors during the trial. In June of 2021, the appeal was denied. Gall's attorney, Wesley Stone, said at the time that he planned to appeal the decision. After her untimely death, Emma was commemorated in different ways. Central High School's Health Occupation Students of America Club Along with the cheerleading squad, established a scholarship in Emma's name to help seniors planning to major in healthcare or medical areas. According to a 2016 Wait.com article by Lauren Castle, Central High School Principal Michael Reynolds said Emma was an outstanding young lady and an excellent student. Our goal is to generate enough funds to establish a long term, annual scholarship to be given in Emma's memory. In January of 2017, the East Tennessee Children's Hospital announced that one of the 44 rooms in the new neonatal ICU would be named after Emma. The rooms were named for people who donated $25,000, which was used for the building itself or hospital equipment. The rooms allow families to stay at the hospital with their premature babies. Different donors had sponsored 43 of the rooms, and there was one left to be named. After Emma's family had come to the hospital for a tour, the hospital created a website and raised the $25,000 needed to name the room after Emma. On March 20th, what would have been Emma's 17th birthday, the room was officially dedicated in her name. In 2018, the PetSafe Dog Park in Knoxville was renamed the Emma Jane Walker Memorial Dog Park. The Knox County Commission had voted in May to rename the park for Emma because of her love for animals. Today, Riley Gall is imprisoned at Northwest Correctional Complex in Tiptonville, Tennessee. His earliest parole eligibility date is May 20th, 2077. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Murderish. Don't forget to follow my new podcast, Judgy and Juryish. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, I will be on Podcast Row at CrimeCon 2022 in Vegas. You will not want to miss this event. Use promo code MURDERISH to get 10% off a standard badge. That's promo code MURDERISH for 10% off. See you at CrimeCon next year. Check out Murderish.com if you want to buy Murderish merch like t-shirts, coffee mugs, face masks, and more. If you can't get enough Murderish, subscribe to our Patreon service to get immediate access to bonus content only available to Patreon subscribers. There's a link to go behind the scenes and become a Patreon subscriber at Murderish.com. Thank you to Amy S. and Joan W. for becoming Murderish Patreon subscribers. I appreciate you both a lot. If you haven't joined the Murderish Facebook discussion group, do it. We have so much fun in there. You can also find me on Instagram at Murderish Podcast and on Twitter at Murderish Pod. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, tell a friend about Murderish or write a review in your favorite podcast app. Murderish is mixed and mastered by John and Jessica Buchanis of Audio Editing Solutions. Music is by Nico of We Talk of Dreams. This episode was researched and written by Steve Field. A list of sources used for this episode can be found at Murderish.com. As always, ishers, thank you for joining me on another episode of Murderish. And remember, listening to this podcast does not make you a murderer. It just means you're murder-ish.